You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Last Sunday, we, we had a week off. We um, went and visited another vineyard church, and we loved it. We love them. We love what God is doing there. We love being part of a wider family, a wider movement. Honestly, though, there's no place like home. We really miss not, not being here with you, and we must have said 10, 15 times during the day. We just, we just missed it. Um, you may not have felt the same, but that's... It's nice for you to have a break, but we we just really felt like that. And whilst we were off on the Thursday, um, I had the privilege of being down in London representing the vineyard, meeting up with about 65, 70 other um, leaders and overseers of church planting within their particular stream or denomination. And it was incredible to see what the Lord is doing, not just in this country, but across Europe. I didn't realise, but the evangelical church currently in France are planting a church about every 10 days, which when you think that that has been a dry, dark, difficult land for a long time, for them to have that momentum and and energy currently is, is really quite exciting. And um, I came away just struck afresh. I don't think I needed the reminder, but when you see things like that, just... I love being in this movement. What a season we're in. What a privilege to see what the, the Lord is stirring within um, within the vineyard, within this church, within this city. These are phenomenal days to be alive. And um, we have momentum. We have freedom. We love the distinctives of the vineyard, the authentic raw worship, the desire to reach the lost, to serve the poor, to create relevant ways um, to do that, non-religious ways, the servant-hearted people, uh, the lack of hype, the, the way that everybody gets to be part of this. This isn't an expert or a professional thing. That um, the, way, the way people are valued and the kingdom expectancy that emerges within us is, is a beautiful thing, that this is home to many people and becoming home to, to others. And I could quite happily talk about it for a while, but I was just... You know when you're immersed in a in a in a different thing, in a different culture or a different way of doing things, you, as I did in London, you just get the reminder and the realization of the absolute privilege and joy that it is to be part of um, what God is doing here. So I, I couldn't wait to be back, if I'm honest. And um, we we kind of started this new series on the back of the the vision talk, um, and the the series I'd want to call is Courageous Faith. Honestly, if you, if you didn't watch the Vision Talk, if you're exploring being part of us or you've joined us and you haven't watched it, I want to encourage you to watch it because we're in exciting days as a church. In a, in a nutshell, Rhiannon just touched upon it, but um, we're taking huge steps of faith as a church. We, we want to raise the finances to restore a landmark building in this area to facilitate um, serving this community to impact the local people but to use it as a springboard to serve this city and in the process create many 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 more ways for you to be more involved and practically do the stuff that Jesus did and um, I think it will also be a huge blessing and resource to us as a church as we seek to grow and to, to multiply I'm excited for us to be stepping into environments 
that place us in faith. I'm excited for us to be in a season of faith. We're, we're called to be people of faith. And yet how often do we spend our time trying to find stability and, and reassurance and things that make us feel comfortable and remove the elements of, of risk? And um, yet we're called to live by faith, not by sight. And so this, this is a huge step for us as a church. Of course, we've done multiple things to try and bring a degree of stability within that. We've, I'd say we've been working for at least over a year now, building a team that would develop the concept that will um, work out exactly how some of the ways we might practically work in this area. Some of you are heavily involved already in this area, opening doors and seeing what the Lord might be doing and working with other charities and organisations and agencies. and. Um, we've been looking at people who will help project manage and oversee how we might do some of this. Some who have had, isn't it amazing how the Lord draws the right people for the right season? Some people who have vast experience in, in doing this kind of thing. And um, some of you who have vast experience in this kind of community project, and you've done it on a much larger scale in other places and other cities and some of you that have huge experience of working with the council on this kind of project and expertise in construction and working on multi-million pound developments and um, you can do all of those things to help bring clarity and um, structure to it. Steph and I have been consulting with numerous leaders around the movement actually in the States as well, people who have done this kind of thing but it is still a huge step of faith. We can do all of that but it is still a huge step of faith. There's so much unknown. But we believe, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the Lord is clearly calling us to it. We have phenomenal favour with the council. But again, as I mentioned, one thing that we really lack with them is the credibility financially. They don't see us yet ready to move forward in the way that actually I think they, they would like us to. So there's many other elements within that in the negotiation and we can't, I say we, I mean some of you, <laughs> the, the, the royal we, some of you who are highly experienced in this kind of stuff, we can't iron it all out. We can't iron out some of that detail. We can't take it to the next stage until we actually step out and take a risk. In, in faith with it. The, you know, some of the things like the length of term, how long would we have the building for? Would it be freehold, leasehold? I mean, the, the reality is I think it will probably be around a 100, 125 year lease that they would offer us. But some of those details, you just can't iron it out until you're in a financial position for them to take you seriously. And it may be that that's not even the building. The Lord may redirect our steps. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I want to live in the place where this requires courageous faith. Because actually, as much as we could iron out some of those details and try and work it all out, of which we've done as much as you can with integrity and faithfulness to all that he has for us, this is still a step of faith. And um, Hebrews says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Now is the time for courageous faith. Now really is a time for courageous faith. When I, when I look at the, the, the scope of this nation, I'm like, what it needs is churches to step out in courageous faith. And um, I want to talk a little bit about that today and over the next few weeks. The passage I really want to 
frame today round, I think is a very familiar passage to a number of you. It's quite a well-trodden passage. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And um, let me just read it. Mark uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 30, says this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they'd done and taught. But Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stopped, as so as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. How much bread do you have, he asked them. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to his disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Just with regard courageous faith, just want to pull a few things out of this passage. The, the first one really is, I, I believe we don't want to live in the kingdom of comfort. We want to live in the kingdom of God. We, we want to see the kingdom of God extended. This is not about the kingdom of comfort. Matthew 11, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. This, this isn't the time to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. You know, Mark 6, verse 30, that we just read, the apostles returned to Jesus from the ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. They'd been doing the stuff that Jesus asked them to do. They come back for tea and medals or whatever they they came back for a debrief with jesus to chat through what they'd done it's been busy for them and jesus says let's go off by ourselves for to a quiet place and rest he said because so many people were coming and going that the apostles didn't even have time to eat they just need to steal a bit of time with the father and even that's interrupted they didn't have time to eat you know when we're doing the stuff that jesus has called us to do. It's not just sitting around on a sunbed sipping lemon Fanta. Have you ever noticed you only drink lemon Fanta on holiday? That might just be me, but anyway, do you see what I mean? It's not the kingdom of comfort. It's the kingdom of God and it's advancing and it's forcefully advancing and there's stuff for us to do. I don't know if sometimes you feel busy and stretched and you've got people coming at you and there's the demands of interactions and ministry, that's okay. I don't know if you constantly feel interrupted, that's okay. I, I worry more about people who have time for back-to-back episodes on Netflix or never-ending time on the latest games console or time to throw stones at what God is seemingly not doing 
rather than focusing on what he is doing or spending their lives and the capacity that they do have on others and engaging in the extension of the kingdom because it's supposed to be forcefully advancing. Jesus didn't die for blue sky and green fields. He, he died that the lost might be found. And somebody needs to tell them and somebody needs to show them and somebody needs to demonstrate to the lost that there is a saviour who loves them. You know, I just want to... If you did hear the vision talk, I just, I just want to apologise or at least explain that when I gave the vision talk a few weeks ago, some of you may have noticed um, that I talked about the sacrifices that Steph and I would be making, not to put pressure on you in any way. We don't know and we won't know what you give. That is really important. This, this is not an obligation, this is an invitation. What, what you do and how you do it is between you and Jesus and a couple of the finance team would, would know. But I'd, I'd encourage you to consider making a sacrifice. Absolutely I would. We won't all give equal amounts, but I'd encourage equal sacrifice. But anyway, as I was sharing some of the things we might sacrifice a few weeks back, when I mentioned that Steph and I were you know, considering all sorts of things, and one of them would be laying down some of the dreams we had and some of the things we were thinking and um, laying down, a, going on holiday, whatever it might be, mm. to redirect finances towards this. I got a bit choked and a bit teary when I mentioned holiday. Now, what I wanted to say and almost apologise for is on, on reflection, I realised I was in danger then of communicating something that wasn't the reality. You can't pick those moments. But it, it wasn't like a woe is me, poor, poor me giving up maybe a holiday or whatever it might be. It, it, it wasn't that at all. I, I think what it is is I, I feel the burden deeply of asking you and leading you into places of sacrifice, knowing and seeing the cost and the price that you pay to step out in faith. That, that costs me. I can take myself there much more easily myself than I can to invite you there. That said, it is 100% the right thing to do. Leading you into places of faith is exactly what it's all about. But for all of us, money money's a big one. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Isn't that so true? Where our treasure is, there are the desire of our heart is also. Often I think this is about realising what we do have, how rich we are. Some people have asked me, actually numerous people have asked me, more so in other churches, they're like, what are you going to do about car parking? You know, that building doesn't really have any car parking around it. Do you know what's fascinating is why I think buildings like that mean so much to a local community is because they don't, often leave the community. 60% of the people in this community don't even have a car. So if we're reaching the local people, car parking is not going to be a problem. And um, they, they walk to the local resources, but when you start thinking like that, you realise how blessed you are. When, when I was younger, we lived on an incredibly low um, income. With hindsight, I'm not sure it actually helps me at a young age to be as aware as I was of the money that we, we had. It deeply troubled me. My parents split up when I was two, my mum didn't work, and our weekly income was, was ridiculous. And um, I was aware of it, and it, it did trouble me as a, as a very young teenager. 
And we'd go to these local shops near where we lived and you could buy boxes of food that was just full of um, cans. They didn't have labels on them. They couldn't sell them because they didn't have labels. So you'd pay just a few quid for a whole box of food. And we'd, that night, you'd just open up three or four cans and whatever you came out, you ate. And uh, the only thing we'd pass up on was like dog food or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> but um, I, I got choked talking about it because this isn't going to cost us anything. I, the, I know the cost to me is nothing. I've, I've got heating at home. I've got clothes. I, I get to eat three meals a day. Actually, sometimes I go out and I buy myself lunch and I'd spend more on that lunch than we used to have as a weekly, monthly food budget when I was growing up. I'm so rich. My eyes have seen Jesus. If nothing else, I'm spiritually rich. I know him. I love him. I know that he knows me. And he loves me. I, I think for us, this is about perspective, really. I, I can't stand still and do nothing as I hear stories of mums in the area who are choosing between sanitary products and food for their children. Surely for the kingdom to extend and for us to be people that reach out with the love and the compassion of Jesus, we have to do something. And... Um, Verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Not only compassion, but compassion that interrupted his plans. You know, I, I see the people of this city and I see the people of this area and I dream that we don't just meet practical need. I dream that we carry the truth and the hope of the gospel that we know the saviour that we've seen as we interact with them. And I pray that we're led into greater depths of compassion, that we'd allow the needs of others to interrupt our lives, to cause us to change the direction of our lives and our comfort levels for the sake of others and the spread of the gospel. If we are truly passionate about building thriving church communities, we're going to be willing to push the ceiling on our comfort level in order to create disciples among those that are yet to hear him and those that are yet to have an opportunity to know him. If, if, if Jesus' words don't regularly make me feel uncomfortable, I've probably reinvented Jesus in my own image. It, it leads us out of comfort. It leads us to sacrifice. Just a, a chance and an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody is, is worth moments of discomfort and uncertainty, I'd, said. I'd say. Those step-out moments, those take-a-risk moments, those moments where we, we put it all on the line again, those courageous faith moments where we have to fall flat on our face knowing that if God doesn't do something, it's not going to work. Isn't that what we want to be? Isn't that the place that we're actually called to remain as followers of Jesus? So it's, the, it's his kingdom, not the kingdom of comfort. The second thing, I think we've got to take ownership of this. It says, verse 35, Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. We, we've got to take ownership to spot the potential opportunities 
to have courageous faith. Opportunities to step out in faith and be people that live in faith. The disciples' first reaction is to say, hey, this is a remote place. It's getting late. Send them away so they can get some food. We, we've got to be careful that the that culture or the practicalities of often what we see don't shape our potential to be people that are led by faith. I don't, I don't just mean this next step of faith as as a church collectively, but in every environment, in the workplace, in the home, around friends, colleagues, family, whoever it might be, we, we live in a highly cautious, self-protectionist, extremely cynical, individualist culture currently. And as followers of Jesus, we can make or break a room by how we walk into it and the attitude that we carry. If Surely we want to err on the side of faith. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, you've got too much faith. Is that, is that even a thing? Is that even possible? Surely we'd want to err on the side of faith, lean into faith. We don't want to be people that send the crowds away. I want to find and seek out opportunities to, to live in faith, to step out and find and create those environments where we can do that, that, that we would see the, the kingdom of God forcefully advance among us. Imagine if you saw your workplace or your, your friendship group as that, as fertile soil, as kingdom opportunity waiting to be released and to be expanded. But what I think it takes to get into that place and to see that as a reality is faith, courageous faith. The, di the disciples in this moment, they weren't looking for it. They didn't have kingdom eyes for it. They had a send them away mindset. All of the practicalities, all of the earthly realities then started to pile up upon them. Jesus says, you feed them. He's, he's trying to stir something. He's trying to give them an opportunity to have eyes for it, to, to see something more than was the, just the present reality of the situation. But, but rather than see it, they say, with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. So fascinating how quickly they made it about money. Jesus didn't say anything about it, but the kingdom of comfort has started to kick in for them. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And they've, they've gone into that, I think, with a mindset of this, this is going to cost me. Therefore, we need to find another way to do it. What, what are we going to feed them with? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to feed all of these people. No, no chance. Send them away. I'm not, I'm not paying for somebody else. I'm not giving my money for the benefit of somebody else. You know, relationships with each other and relationships with a city are going to cost us. Time, energy, being knocked back, not always having our love received in the way that we give it, or not always treasured in the way that we would hope for. But we can't send people away just because there's a cost to it. Why, why did Jesus feed these people? He could have easily sent them away. But Jesus doesn't ignore needs and it's important to reflect that as he's concerned with every aspect of our lives not just the spiritual he's concerned with the physical as well we we can't take lightly that mandate of you feed them 
Jesus and his compassion and the way he lives it and shows it is reflected for hungry people across all four Gospels. For people who are desperately hungry, there's no better way to show them the love of God than to help them in their practical needs. But as we work and we bring wholeness and we see that in, in people's lives, we can never ignore it's not one or the other, it's both and, spiritual and physical. It's impossible to minister effectively to a spiritual need without stepping into and reaching into and considering somebody's physical need. It's a both and approach. And the, the dream would be that this centre isn't just about meeting practical need, it's about carrying the hope and the truth of the gospel into the lives of everybody that we, we interact with, ourselves included. The, the third thing I, I really want to draw out is, is faith. This, this passage, all that we're currently involved in, this is faith. Now, faith isn't a blind leap. Well, it kind of is as well. And um, it is, but it isn't, because it isn't, because we, surely we just risk on what we hear the Father saying. What we believe the Father is wanting us to do. Let, let me give you an example. Steph and I believe this particular direction is the Lord's bidding and the Lord's calling. It's stirred in our hearts and without you knowing it, actually in many of your hearts. And through the prophetic and many other ways, I'd say the Lord has nudged us in this direction. Equally, it's a step of faith. If we knew everything and everything was tied down, we could see where the money was going to come from, some of the other practical ways in which we'd use it. It wouldn't be a step of faith and it wouldn't be a stretch. And so we're kind of jumping off the diving board, trusting and believing that the water's going to be there by the time we get to the bottom. But it often takes a step of faith for the Lord to confirm your step of faith. We've, we've seen that so many times in our lives as we planted the church it was actually once we'd committed once we stepped out in doing what we believed the father was saying and once the wheels were already in motion that he really started to confirm it on a whole nother level it doesn't mean that all the fears and the doubts and the concerns are suddenly removed or there's no pain or it just all becomes easy and there's no challenge challenges but i do find it fascinating that as we go so often that's when he shows, because that's what faith is. So we're called to live in faith. We're called to take risks. We've actually then got to take them. It's quite easy to talk about them, but you've actually then got to do it. Now, what's been fascinating as we've taken this particular leap of faith is to see how it's stirred or had already stirred in a number of you. There's so many stories with that that we're starting to become aware of. I can't share them all this morning, but I just want to share one. And I've checked if I can share this story, and I've tried to conceal their identity, but to some of you it's going to be obvious either way. Someone shared with us, that, um, with Steph and I, they shared this. When I was a nursing student back in 2011, we were tasked with writing an assignment on the health needs of a particular area in Manchester. We split into groups, and my group was allocated long sight. We were given a series of questions to answer, so off the group went to investigate the area. I was so moved by the degree of deprivation in that area that I went back on my own later that evening and prayer walked 
where I had been with the group, I stood in front of the Longsite Youth Centre, which had either already closed or had been earmarked for closure, I can't quite remember, and I prayed that this space would be used again, that he would use it to break chains for those living with social deprivation in this area. I travelled along the 192 bus up and down the A6 every day. I saw the mill on the site that the Dean's Trust now stands on being demolished. I watched the progress as the Dean's Trust was built. I watched the Longsite Youth Centre fall further into disrepair and it broke my heart. I didn't belong to a church at the time, I'd just moved to Manchester and hadn't felt anywhere that I felt my heart belonged since leaving my previous church in my previous area. On those journeys I prayed for the local area that it would be used by him to love and serve this community and that I would find a church that shared my passion for this area of Manchester that I love so much. When we were at the Rampant Lion and you told us about the new venue, I was ecstatic and amazed that God had answered my prayer so precisely. When you spoke on Vision Sunday, I wanted to jump up and down in joy and scream, Yes, Lord. Internally, this did happen, although I managed to maintain my dignity externally. I cannot describe to you how much of an answer of prayer this is, and I have no words to express my gratitude to God for his provision. I understand there's many more practical and financial hurdles to jump, but as a family, we're with you prayerfully and practically wherever we can. My husband is just as excited about the project. I explained to our eldest child the significance of the building and how it would help and showed him it on the way home. I told him that the building would need lots of money to make it usable and that we would need to ask God how much money we would need to give. I've never seen him pray independently out loud, but he asked how many pennies he should give. He, gave, he asked me if we had a jar because we needed to put 10 pennies in it every day. Then he said that when we'd collected all the money, we need to take it to the big house and give it to God. I explained that we'd need to give the money to church, but on that giving day, we can stop at the big house on the way to church and pray for the building and for the money to be used to help people. He was so happy. They go on to share a number of other things and a, another remarkable interlinking story that maybe I'll share another time, but then finish by saying this. Obviously, we don't quite know what God will do, but if and when the time comes, it would be an absolute honour and privilege to work with you as a church to help set up mental health and substance misuse services. My passion and those of many others is to see lives changed, chains broken and captives set free. You know, when I read stories like that, I don't know if there is another option other than to fall to your knees and say to God be the glory. He, he shows as we go, as we step out in faith and take risks behind the scenes, who would have ever known? His ability to, to, to weave and stir, it's just one particular family story. And we've heard many similar stories. Jesus said to the disciples, how much bread do you have? He said, go and find out. He, he, may, well have said, he may as well have said to them, how, how much faith do you have? Are you, are you willing to offer what you do have? Go and find out. Go and take a risk. Go and see what I want to do among you. Go and live out your own God stories. Go and don't, don't sit back. Rely. Don't rely on the story of a previous generation. Don't wait for the move of God. Be the move of God. Step into what God has got for you. They came back and they reported, we've got five loaves 
of bread and two fish. They've kind of nabbed this lad's picnic, whose mum is like, you know, he's a proper boy scout. He's prepared. That's never going to do it. Humanly, it's never going to feed more than a couple of people. The, the, the moment we're in as a church, and actually I hope and I long we will forever remain in, is taking steps of faith to see what Jesus might do. What are you going to give? And I don't mean financially. Because he doesn't just ask for our money. That's, that's only a small fraction of it. I think he asks for our lives. I say I think, I know. He asks for our lives. Once, once you give him your life, you can't not give him your money because he's, he's got the whole of me. Money's just a representation of where my heart is. The economy of the kingdom of God is, is actually quite simple. Every step in costs us everything that we've gained today. Every new step may cost you your reputation, your security, everything to that point that you've gained today. As we step out into further steps of courageous faith we've just got to be ready to do it again what if there's anything that characterizes christian maturity it's the willingness to become a beginner for jesus all over again it's the willingness to put our hand in his and say i'm scared but i'll go with you i'll risk everything for you because you're the pearl of great price and as, as you invest in this church family, as you invest in the extension of the kingdom of God in the environments that you find yourselves, what will you give? What will you place in Jesus' hand to see him multiply? I, I love that story I just read because the dream that's birthing in that person is, but if and when the time comes. It would be an absolute honour and privilege to work with you as a church to help set up mental health and substance misuse services. My passion and those of many others is to see lives changed, change broken and captives set, captive set free. He wants to use you to see the kingdom of God extended in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, in your home, in this city, in this church, in your heart. I long to get you into environments where we're on the mountainside, where we're around Jesus, where, where we get those faith moments of, I can't naturally do this. This isn't going to happen. But we give out everything to see what he might do with it, and he does what he does. He does the miracle, but he does it in and through us. He did it in and through the hands of the disciples. He uses us. We get to be part of it. But it's him that does it when we give him our everything. As much as we're on a faith journey, I'd say, together, can I encourage you to step into your own faith journey? Get your own bread and fish moments. Offer it all. See what he might do. I was on a train week before last and I've done that classic thing where I'm reading the paper of the person I'm sat next to and um, the guy I'm sat next to owned the paper it wasn't like I'd left it and he picked it up it's his paper he is fully entitled to read it and he is fully entitled to read whatever page he wanted to and I was aware that he was aware that I was reading it which was a bit awkward but he seemed kind of okay and um then there came this point where he turned the page 
from what I was reading, not at his pace because it's in front of him, it wasn't in front of me. And he wasn't bothered about like the sport bits, so he's kind of skipping over them. And I accidentally kind of let out the, oh. <laughs> and um, I didn't actually say like, mate, I was reading that, can you turn back? But I kind of did by what I said. And um, it was pretty awkward, but he, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is in your faith, you can't read somebody else's paper. You can be encouraged by it. You can be spurred on by it, but you can't live off it. I want to encourage you to live out and own your own faith. What's it going to look like for you to have courageous faith? Now, this doesn't fit the story at all, and you're going to think I'm slightly odd, but um, if that reading the paper thing wasn't awkward, I, I, I said to him, excuse me, I didn't, I didn't actually ask him with the building project in mind. I thought there's a few things as a church and actually as a movement that, that we could do. Um, you're going to look at me like I'm mad, but I said to him, would there be any chance that you might consider giving us £100,000? And um, interestingly, he didn't say no. He didn't say yes either, but he, he offered us a load of things. He was deeply inspired by what we're doing and uh, offered us some stuff that actually for where we're at as a church I don't think would quite fit for the for the season that, that we're in but it, I just, I don't know I don't make a habit of asking people for money <laughs> quite like that but um, it was just one of those moments where I was, I was thinking through this whole courageous faith and I thought I just yeah, I need to just ask you and see where that goes And anyway Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of 50 or 100. Really easy to read that little verse and just skip past it. Imagine it. Hang on a minute. We're just sitting everyone down in little groups. The skeptics would be out for that one. What are you on about? Send them away. Don't sit them down. Don't don't build their expectation for the fact that you're about to feed them because you're not about to feed them. We've got five loaves and a couple of fish. Send them away. We're going to look really silly. Faith is about stepping out into the unknown and taking a risk. Take, take a risk. Take a risk this week. Find a person, find a place, find a situation. See if there's a moment where God might do something, and if he doesn't, it isn't going to multiply, but if he does, it will be remarkable. We want to be people of courageous, contagious faith. Final thing, really briefly. This, this isn't about a physical return on what we do or we don't give. Verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed them, breaking the loaves into pieces. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. Jesus does what Jesus does. He did the miracle of multiplication. He took what they gave and he multiplied it. They didn't give like a half-hearted token, a gesture. They gave all the loaves and all the fish. The, the little lad didn't keep a few back just in case that he had something for him. Then Jesus multiplied it. And then the wonderful thing, they all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. They all ate as much as they wanted, which, depending on how you read it, is kind of code word for a number of them had seconds or even thirds. And 
they all had whatever they wanted. 20 minutes ago, they were going to send the people home. 10 minutes after that, they could probably only feed a few people with a couple of loaves and fish. Now, Jesus has just fed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. It would have been a lot more. To round it off, there's 12 baskets of surplus. What I believe the Lord wants to do with us is give us an abundance. This isn't just about having enough. It's about an overflow. It's about leftovers. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't about a building. This, this, this is so much more than that. This is so much more than money. This is way more than creating practical streams to serve the community and create a springboard to do other things that will multiply and grow. This is about chasing after God's heart and him shaping us individually to be more like him as we empty ourselves of ourselves, of our security and our sustainability, as we lay down our resources and our time, our energy, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, as we lay down the lot and we place it in his hands for his purposes and courageously step out in faith, he does what he does, which is far greater than anything we can foresee or even imagine. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm longing for. You know, one of you said to me the other week, you said, I, we joined a church, we found a family, and it's released a calling. Isn't that a profound thing to say? We joined a church, we found a family, and it's released a calling. The last two weeks, honestly, has changed my life. As I've thrown myself into, as Steph and I have thrown ourselves into renewed areas of faith and trust and yearning for the Lord, just desperately yearning for Him as the soul, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longs after Him. Are, are we yearning? I'm, he is stretching me and challenging me. And I'm currently just saying, more Lord, more Lord. This is more than a building. This is more than money. This is allowing our hearts and our minds to be shaped and challenged and stirred and together would we be people of courageous faith i dream of transformation you, i want to say use these moments as moments of faith i've used this moment as a story to share jesus with people can i can i just tell you what we're up to it is so exciting i am dreaming and longing for transformation in this city i just using it as an opportunity i want to say Take a step of faith. Take a courageous step of faith in this season because this is your journey as much as it's our journey. I'm praying that it will shape you individually as much as it will give you opportunities to use to shape and share Jesus with those around you. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.